Welcome to Dr. C and the D. I'm Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, the Medical Director of the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And I am on with the amazing Alexa Karbowski, my wonderful, wonderful physician assistant who has been with, we've been together for like ever, right? Eight years almost. Yeah. Eight years. It's been a great eight years. Oh my God. I love you dearly. I love you. Love you. So I thought, you know, we thought we'd talk tonight today about the warning signs for fertility uh, concerns and end with when you should see one of us for helping you get pregnant. So what we're going to do is kind of talk to each other about different topics and, you know, what these warning signs might be. And the first one is Alexa timing. So I'm all excited about having a baby. We're talking about it. And like, what are some red flags and warning signs that the timing of your ability to have a baby is going to be a problem? It's a great question. You know, a lot of patients, people generally, I think are just, they're very confused about that topic. They don't know. They're not really guided. It's not really explained. So you know, in the most simple breakdown, if you're under 35 years old, you're trying, everything's good, seems to be working, happening normally, you know, at a year, we're calling it infertility. And some people, you know, their doctors are young, keep going, you know, two years go by three years. And really, at that point, we probably should have made the change a little sooner to come see us, another fertility doctor, talk to your OBGYN. As we get a little older, that timeline changes a bit. So for over 35, you know, because of the quality of our eggs, the amount that gets cut to six months. So that's a very general, general timeline. But, you know, Dr. K, as you know, we see all the time that could be different. So if someone has very irregular cycles, they have medical issues, there's other things you might not be going off of that year or six months that could easily change. And that's where, you know, good education, asking your doctor, asking those questions, you might get to us sooner and you might figure out what's going on sooner than just going off that. So it's a good, it's a good general, I think range, but you know, as there are other things that can change that, you know, I think we should go into that a little bit. If you want to chime in on what might prompt, you know, that change happens, what might prompt you to say, okay, I'm not waiting a year. What are some of those other, other options? And and you made a good point, Alexa, is I've seen, and you have as well, that there'd be a, there's a young patient, she's 28, 29, and she's been trying for a year. She does go to her doctor and she says, what's happening. But there are many people or physicians who are like, oh, you're young, just keep trying. And the patient needs to be their own advocate to say, no, this is the definition and I need to go see someone else. Now I gotta tell you, kudos to the OBGYNs of late, you know, they're they're being very, very proactive Mm -hmm. fertility wise. So I don't see that as much of, oh honey, just go on and get some candles. I'll never forget an old time GYN said, honey, go get candles, get new lingerie, it'll happen. I'm like, oh, I wanna smack that guy. But, you know, so new OBGYNs are, yes. are giving, are kind of like on our same page. So when you say about warning signs, you're right. Timing is one of them. The other thing is age. So you made a very good point about the 35 cutoffs. So when I see our residents, I'll say that if you're under 35, it's a year over 35, six months, over 40, it is yesterday. And why does age make a difference? I have to tell you, we women, 
you're amazing. I mean, you look like you're a teenager. We women are taking better care of ourselves, right? So we may be 35, but we look 25, you know, 60 is the new 40, you know? And so when you look in the mirror, you don't realize that we women have a finite fertility window, right? So when we were in our moms, there were several million eggs in our ovaries, right? We are born, it goes down to a couple million. At puberty, it's a few hundred thousand. That's how they calculated menopause, right? So we, unlike our guys who are constantly making a new mix of sperm every 72 days and can get pregnant you know, when they're a million years old, we only have a certain finite time period to be able to get pregnant. So that's why it's important to not only know that you have that window and those age cutoffs are important, but also it's not about just getting pregnant. It's about how many kids you want too. Exactly. So, so, you know, we always do this, right, Alexa? We sit there and we say, okay, I, you know, you want to have a baby. That is awesome. How many do you want? Because let me tell you, if you're 37 years old, right. And you want one baby, then you've got so many choices, right? But if you want four, you know, we, we don't push IVF, but you may need IVF because, you know, by the time you have baby number one and then you deliver and then you want to breastfeed and want to have a little maternity leave, baby number two, you're 39 and the eggs are getting that much mm -hmm. older. So that's kind of where age is playing a role. And it might be, you know, a little, not necessarily warning sign, but something to, to kind of pay attention to. Yes, exactly. You know, keeping it at least in mind that this can play a factor. And I think you made a really good point. It's, it's hard, you know, women are putting more effort into feeling good, looking good. And sometimes like, I feel 25, you know, but I'm 45 and I'm like, this is all great. Taking care of your mind, your body, your wellness, that certainly helps. But that egg part, that age part still can come into play. And I agree. I think that the doctors, the OBGYNs, people are getting way better at educating patients having them be aware, you know, and it, it's great also for those patients that maybe it's not time, but they're seeing us for egg freezing and other things. So yes, age is definitely an initial warning sign, things to consider. And then, you know, then we get into obviously some of the more specific stuff. So, you know, so the workup that we do the workup. Right? Yeah. Yep. So when we, you know, so talk about some of the things with women. So when we do our workup together, we look at, I tell people there's a triangle, there's hormones, sperm, and structure. So when a woman has problems, like what could be some things, Alexa, that you've seen with regard to how well a woman ovulates, like what are some, you know, are, is weight an issue? Is are there certain medical conditions that you feel could be warning signs that a woman is going to have a little trouble getting pregnant. Yes. So some of the, you know, warning signs medically, and, and they can be female or male, which we'll do. We'll talk about a little yes. bit both today, but we'll do female first. So I think one that is super common is menstrual regularities, you know, um, getting a cycle maybe once or twice a year, every three months, a menstrual regularity could be a sign of an underlying issue, whether that's PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which we will talk about in detail in another episode because that's a really important topic. It can be other hormone imbalances, thyroid, prolactin, other things that we're going to check at our workup. We're going to evaluate all that. But if that is going on and there are the irregularities, yeah, it's better to get in sooner than later to figure out what the underlying cause is because a lot of times there can be adjustments, lifestyle changes, medication, 
even basic treatment that's going to expedite that for you versus if you're going a year of trying on your own and you're getting a period once a year, the odds that you're hitting the timing when you're ovulating are very unlikely, unless more power to you. If you're having intercourse every day of the week, great. You probably covered your bases, but that's and not having the case. a lot of yeah. fun. It's, also, it's, it's fabulous, but not necessarily the case for everybody. So yeah. menstrual irregularities, you know, certainly can be related to underlying health issues. Going into that uh, weight is a yeah. huge part, you know, being underweight, being overweight can certainly also cause irregular cycles, irregular ovulation, which can make timing, you know, when are we ovulating a lot more difficult. Right. So the BMI, right? So, so I think our literature says that we want to get that BMI under 30. Mm-hmm. And if a BMI is over 30, it's like getting a 40 year old pregnant, that increased weight, that insulin resistance that yes. goes along with it are making the eggs older. And then the underweight, the BMI under 19, I think is, is, is the cutoff is that if you're too underweight, you may not be getting enough healthy fats to make the reproductive hormones to, to get ovulation to occur. So, you know, trying to have an ideal body weight is, is yeah. part of the, the things. And that might be a little warning sign that, you know, even if you're having regular periods, this could be a reason why the egg isn't as good as it might yeah. need to be. So, so in other podcasts, you know, you and I'll talk about the PCOS, like you said, and some other conditions and, and we'll focus a little bit on a workup, you know, in, in a later episode, but how about structure? So, so when we, we, when you talk about the uterus and the tubes, you know, are there warning signs that we talk about for for making sure that we have a uterus to put it in, in, a, a baby in, and, and, and the tubes are where fertilize, you know, the sperm and egg meet and fertilization occurs. So, you know, are there any warning signs that women could think about that could affect their structure? Yeah. So anatomy is the, you know, the other big part of the puzzle here. And sometimes it could be discreet and not known for sure. But yes, I think there are some, you know, key warning signs. It could be underlying things from your past. So certainly a history of pelvic infection, anything that can cause kind of inflammation in that pelvis aside from infection, but a ruptured appendix, multiple surgeries where there's scarring, adhesion that can affect the fallopian tube. So, you know, that could be something that puts you at a higher risk of maybe the tubes not functioning to their best ability, you know, otherwise structurally, this is probably the more extreme end, but someone who's never got a cycle, you know, do they have some kind of uterine anomaly? Are they, you know, these could be in younger girls, but why have I never gotten a period? It could be something hormonal like PCOS. It could be, you know, anatomical, which is where that workup's going to figure that out. I always kind of, you know, tell patients, friends, when they reach out to sometimes just the extremely painful periods, heavy, you know, yeah. Is that anatomical? It could be hormonal. It could be, they have a fibroid, they have a polyp, they have something internally in the uterus, which is not going to work in your favor to get pregnant. It's going to increase your risk of risk of miscarriage. So, you know, yeah, there can definitely be some concrete factors. I think they're like, Hmm, this is a little odd. Or if you know, you have any of those things, you know, in your history that could put you at a higher risk of something being off anatomically. And luckily our workup, you know, we check for that right off the bat. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's where it's important that like, for example, chlamydia, 
that is the silent tubal killer. Mm -hmm. That is a pelvic infection that you could have had and not even have known. It, you know, unlike there's a infection gonorrhea, which is a very you know, nasty discharge and it's very obvious, chlamydia really sometimes don't even show up as anything until all of a sudden your tubes are blocked. And then you look it up or you get antibodies or you figure it out later. So, you know, when it comes to your sexual health, you know, when I used to do adolescent medicine at children's years ago, I used to tell our teenagers and our young 20 somethings, you know, if he wants it, put on a condom. And if he ain't putting on a condom, he's not getting anything because, yeah. you know, the chlamydia that they get when, when they've had a sexual uh, experience or relationship and they get chlamydia and now in their, in their twenties and thirties and want kids and find out their tubes are blocked. They had no idea. So pelvic infections are huge. Previous topics. So say you had a pregnancy and it got stuck in the tube. Well, guess what? That tube was abnormal for a reason. We don't know why, but the tube got, the embryo got stuck in there. Well, you know what? You've got a higher chance that you could have a problem with getting pregnant that way as well. And then there's a condition called endometriosis, which we'll talk about in a future episode. That's something that's not your fault. You know, 16% of the population has endometriosis. It could be related in families. And that's a condition where you have, you know, if the, there's several theories that we'll talk about, but it can cause scar tissue potentially in the pelvis and it can affect your tubes. So, you know, these are things that you could get painful periods, pain with ovulation, pain with intercourse. So if you've got warning signs like that, you know, you could have a condition that could infect, impact your fertility and that would warrant seeing your OBGYN or, yeah. um, you know, and the us. family history, I think that's a good, you know, a good point too, just as a potential warning sign, you know, having a strong family, you know, PCOS has some genetic correlation, endometriosis. Um, there are some other, you know, whether it's clotting disorders, things like that, which you can see in miscarriages. So family history can be a warning sign too, that, you know, if you know, you have a strong family history for some of these factors, it may be a, hmm, maybe I should have an evaluation sooner than later. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. Very good point. We're talking a lot about the ladies here, but there's <laughs> also, you know, there's, there's warning signs for the men as well. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. And you know, men 30 to 50% of the time, it's a problem with the guy. So one of the things is, you know, there don't have many advantages in my, my mind, but of being a man, but anyway, but the cool thing, you know, why Michael Douglas got Catherine Zeta Jones pregnant when he, she was in his sixties and she was in her thirties is because we have a finite fertility potential, right? But our guys make a new mix of sperm every 72 days. So you can have an older gentleman that still has the ability to get someone pregnant. I think our oldest dad was 70, I think so. Right. So, so, but what are some warning signs for guys? So if a man has medical conditions that can impact their sperm count. So for example, if they have high blood pressure uh, or diabetes, high blood pressure can affect erections, ejaculations, the medications for high blood pressure can affect these things. If they have diabetes, uh, diabetes can cause something called retrograde ejaculation, where when a man tries to ejaculate, it goes back into the bladder. There could be thyroid conditions that a guy has that can impact his ability to produce sperm. Uh, normal red flags would be if there's heat exposure. So say there is an environment like maybe they're, they're truck drivers or cab drivers, or they work in a high heat exposure, or you've got a partner who loves his hot tub two hours an evening and he's relaxing with a cocktail or a beer. Well, you know what? The testicles are down there for a reason. And to heat them up in those situations can impact sperm counts. 
and, and, and parameters. Also, if there is a history of smoking, a significant alcohol use, a significant drug use, those can decrease sperm count, motility, shape. As little as one cigarette can decrease men's fertility by 1%. So that's something that could be an issue for men. Weight. So we look at women about being overweight. Mm-hmm. Well, a guy who's overweight a lot of the guys get gain their weight in their belly, right? So they've got this beer belly or, and, or this belly that goes over their belt. Well, again, there's, if, if you're overweight as a guy, then you have maybe the anatomical increase in weight because your belly is kind of sitting over on the testicle area or men who are overweight have a higher estrogen production. So the estrogen be from the fat cells will decrease their testosterone and it could impact sperm parameters. Mm -hmm. So those are things that, you know, in your guys, if you're finding that these are some, some medical or, or weight related or social issues, then that might impact your ability to have good sperm. If you're tired, if you have decreased sex drive, decreased libido, you know, maybe your testosterone's off. If you're a bodybuilder and you want to pump up and you're taking supplements, you know, testosterone supplements to boost your body mass, guess what? That tanks to takes your sperm count. If your primary care doctor gives you testosterone because you don't feel like you want to have sex, well, guess what? That can affect your sperm. So these are all things that men can look out for as warning signs or red flags for their ability to be able to get pregnant. Yeah. And in addition um, to that, for the men, you know, trauma, sometimes there was a significant injury accident, you know, whether it was a hockey puck, whether it was being kicked or testicular torsion as a child, obviously more extreme, you know, guys with the history of testicular cancer and medical issue, a medical condition, those things, you know, we ask that at every new patient visit. But, you know, again, warning signs for patients, if you know, I have that history, you know, this could be a possibility, it may prompt you to kind of get that workup done a little bit sooner than later. And just going back to your comment, you know, on the testosterone, I think that's a really good point to bring up here, because I see that all the time. And, you know, patients are there, and it's no one's fault, you know, it's just not as widely known as you think that, you take testosterone from an outside source, it could have that impact. So I mean, we see patients that are, am I not getting pregnant? They're upset. And we're like, oh, he's a, you know, and they had no idea, you know, they had no idea. And, you know, their sperm is minimal to zero. And luckily the vast majority of the time you stop it, it can return, but it can take time. You know, it can take months and it could have been avoided. So that's right. a really good point, you know, to educate people on that. And, and also what we should mention here is that we work with a really great team of male fertility specialists. Yes. So yes. these men, I think we have four or five that work in association with our team that they're urologists that specializes in male fertility. So I think this podcast today, Alexa, is really, I think, hopefully helpful to the listeners in that there are warning, warning signs, red flags during your journey of trying to have a baby that you could identify and maybe work on sooner than later, such that that would help improve your success rates. But these are also things that now you know that if you're experiencing anything like these instances, conditions, whatever, it may be time to see us mm-hmm. so that we can help you 
do a workup, figure it out, offer treatment and get that baby to happen. Yes. And you know, when do you seek treatment when the, it's, it's not a straightforward question, yeah. you know? Yeah. You can go off the basic numbers that we started with, but a lot of times you got to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, you have an intuition and if you have a feeling, a, a concern, a thought, it's never hurts to make that appointment. You might get a workup and everything will be okay. You know, but I think that it's not a direct question. You right. know, it's not, you have this, this definition of infertility, but as we just went over, there's so many other factors that can really be warning signs that can change, you know, how soon you might want to come in and, you know, paying attention to those being aware is really good. So, and, and you mentioned a good point too, is if you're worried, if you're concerned, come see us, Yep. you know, what's the worst thing that can happen is we do the workup and everything's fine. And guess what? We make a, make a game plan. It's called expected management, which means everything looks good guys. Let's make a plan. And that plan might be, here's how you test for ovulation. Here's the timing of when I have sex around ovulation. Here's how to do a prediction kit. Here's how to do a measure of how you're ovulating. And you know what? If it doesn't happen in three months, six months, then come back. And then we've got these things called empiric treatments that we can offer. So, but I think that the thing that you made a really good point about is don't be afraid. If it worries you, yes. if it bothers you, if you're wondering, there is no harm because we're there for you to give you this education and to give you this fertility information so that you are empowered about having your babies. And that's what we're here to do is empower you as women, as couples, not to be afraid, not to be afraid of us, not to be afraid of the situation. If you had high blood pressure or diabetes, man, you'd be at your primary care and yeah. you'd be like, what the heck's going on? What do I need to do? Okay, I'm on it. Don't be afraid about fertility. We've got so many things that we can do to help. So, so Alexa, I'm just really excited that we're a team and we're together. And I just really hope that this has made a difference for uh, many of you listening, listening on, on Dr. C and the D. And I am looking forward to a lot more episodes to uh, empower you about getting pregnant.